And you always seem to do it when you do it again. I don't even know how that song goes. And I don't want to see you when I see you again. Ah. Okay, that's enough for me. I started recording, so we're just going to open with that. I feel like every episode now just opens with, after a brief hiatus, because I'm just not like keeping on top of shit lately. <laughs> it's a good thing to, to let people know at least you're back. Yeah, I've been busy, man. It's like right when uh, lockdown happened, it was like pumping out two episodes a week because that's all we could do. And like, you know, you couldn't hang out with your friends. So this like this was the thing. And then we're in that like weird still lockdown, but you still got more shit to do now phase. Hey, yeah. as long as you're as long as you're more consistent than my podcast, you're fine. Or mine. Yeah, I mean, I, I put out more than two a year. So yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I see fine. you. I see you hit the seasons. I, I you know. That's the way to do it. That was just like my way of being like, I totally forgot about this thing for like three months. So let's come up with a good excuse. Oh, season two. That's what I do. Also, like, all of mine. So, you know, I, I like talking to people, I like talking to you guys, especially, but it's like, we're, we're strictly movies. So if we could like branch out a little and have like more general discussion, we could do more episodes, but there's just not a lot of movie stuff going on right now. Like, That's true. If, 2020 went off without a hitch like we'd have so many episodes because we reviewed dune and you know uh the james bond movie and all the other shit that was supposed to come out i was gonna say it'd be really cool if uh everyone watched tv shows here i i do on occasions <sighs> both of you been re-watching entourage maybe i should do uh that guy's <laughs> new uh podcast or his new twitter page victory, victory. but like wandavision or any of that that didn't do anything for you guys I've, I've been watching WandaVision. I've been having a good time right. with it. It's just kind of hard. of a, It's a hard show to talk about. You know what I mean? Yes. But now they're making the Marvel TV shows like required reading. Yes. Like more so than the Daredevil show was or anything like that. So I, I appreciate it. Yeah. What What is WandaVision? I haven't seen a single Ooh. episode, but it looks like it's like an I Love Lucy type, uh, like 50 sitcom style. Is that you, how it you, is the whole time? You want to take a shot on this one? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at this. So, what, uh, spoilers. Um, well, if this makes it easier, I really don't care. <laughs> well, I can give you the basic premise. It's it's like a sitcom themed show around these two characters that are obviously special with their powers and are able to change their sceneries and settings and the show kind of evolves into other sitcom-y type tropes throughout the season with a lot of underlaying mcu type stuff going on in the background to the point where we don't really know what's going on but we will find out eventually so yeah. like i can just read the wikipedia article before avengers 5 or whatever and i'll just i'll be all right yeah, probably. But to, like, especially for you, I think you'll appreciate the dedication they're putting to capturing each decade's worth of like TV sitcom, like how they're filming. Like the 50s was filmed in front of us. Like it was done like a studio audience kind of thing. So like a long show multi-camera play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I can't like, wait for the 90s Seinfeld episode they're going to do. I think they're doing Malcolm in the Middle. Fuck. Yeah, it's I don't know. I like like I said, I don't know anything about it. And like I, you know, when I get into a show, I get really into a show. It's just the the it's stepping over you know that boundary of like, all right, I got to get invested in something now because uh, Breaking Bad, you know, I was obsessed with, and then you got me on Barry, which I like knocked out in like two days. Yeah, like once I get invested, I get like almost overly invested. Like I get obsessed. Like with Breaking Bad, I was bringing my laptop 
uh, to campus with me to like watch episodes in between classes. It was absurd. I kind of did that with The Sopranos over the last like month and a half. I chewed that entire show up and spit it out. And it was like, I'd never seen it before. It was high on my list. And I, you know, when am I, I've got nothing to do. We went back into another lockdown in California. And I was like, let's spin this. And I had a great time. I understand why it's so good. I, I just binged The Undoing on HBO. And that had that a, an, is that a Kidman joint? Yeah, Kidman and uh, Hugh Grant. I'm out. I'm out on Kidman. Oh man, Dr. Chase oh, Meridian. Do you know who you're talking to about Kidman? Are you I the cook, kid man? No, I cook Squinny. <laughs> the kid man, man. A lot about Nicole Kidman. I've never been like into her. I don't know. She's doing too much for me usually, but she I'm glad you my, like the show. She was my first uh, celebrity crush because of Batman Forever. Yeah, in the 90s, she was on par with like the masked Cameron Diaz. Yeah, mine was Lola Bunny from Space Jam. Well, yeah. And uh, who was the voluptuous one from Roger Rabbit? I always forget Jessica her Rabbit. name. Jessica Rabbit. Jessica yeah. Rabbit. Voluptuous yeah, woman. Surprisingly yeah. not a rabbit. Who was that sexy doodle? Yes, exactly. Her name. Her last name's Rabbit, and she has sexual interests in rabbits, but her, she herself is not a rabbit. It's kind of kind of weird. I only date bakers now. <laughs> like like chefs? Just bakers. Pastry chefs can work depending on how they uh, toss their thing up on LinkedIn. Speaking of which, I've been going through like another comfort movie phase just because, you know, I, I don't I have a hard time getting invested in things lately. Same. And I just rewatched uh Chef. So oh, great. I've watched that movie maybe four times in the last like month and Dude, a half. All right, that's a TV show I can get into. The Chef Show on Netflix. That's a great there we show. Go. Dude, a lot of great they, uh... people on that. Yeah, that's a great show. Um speaking of uh Johnny Fav. Oh, uh, let's get into I, it. I did get into uh, like season one of The Mandalorian, and I think I finished it whenever that came out. And then uh, season two came out, and I was like waiting to you know for it to get a little further so I could start you know doing some marathon sessions. Dude, and everything just gets spoiled so quickly now. It's like I, I, I like the day after it happened, fucking Mark Hamill spoiled it. Like he should know better. Mandalorian is kind of in the uh, echelon now of Game of Thrones and stuff. If you don't watch it the night it comes out yeah. or the day after, you're pretty much you're going to get spoiled. It doesn't even matter. Some ra- your grandma can spoil it. That's how many people watch that show. See, I'm used to the courteous Breaking Bad fans when you were like silent for like a month after an episode. Well, that's the AMC crowd. Yeah, I guess. That's I, dude. Have you guys seen uh, Hell on Wheels? Is that the cowboy show they did? Yeah, I was thinking about trying to get into that. I don't know, but I I heard it was really good. And I've been going through a huge uh, Western phase for some reason right now. So I've been like, I shouldn't say Western phase, like uh, modern Western phase. So like 21st century Westerns I've been like super into lately. You did a 310 to Yuma the other day, didn't you? Yeah, I finally watched that for the first time. First Uh, time? Yeah, I've never seen 310 to Well, I've never seen either of them. I didn't see the original or the, the Mangold remake. I watched the Mangold remake. Was that Mangold? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. yeah, so uh it's uh I, I enjoyed 310 to Yuma a lot, but um It's a great movie. I, I realize like some of my favorite movies of all time are like sort of modern westerns, like There Will Be Bloods Technically a Western, No Country mm-hmm. for Old Men, Assassination mm-hmm. of Jesse James. So I was like, man, I need to get into some more of these movies. So I started knocking them out and dude the like this phase of Westerns, like the more revisionist westerns, they're so fucking good. Just like it's it's one of my favorite things. I, I rewatched the Hateful Eight too, just because it was snowing here in Maryland, and that's I, every every first snow of the year I watch the Hateful Eight. So I rewatched that, and I was like, dude, this is just so fucking good. Like the aesthetic, like westerns are always beautiful, but now with you know 
you know, better cinematography and better, you know, resolution that you're watching it, you know, on Blu-ray and stuff. It just, it just, it lends itself so well to it. It's just so enjoyable to watch visually. I've got two things for you here. Did you, when you've been watching all these like modern Westerns and whatnot, do you kind of see any of that in the Mandalorian when you've been like kind of slightly binging it? Like man yeah, in the yeah, town yeah. kind of vibe. That kind of picks up more in season two, and I, I do recommend you jumping into it when you get a chance. It's still oh, worth a watch. the first episode. Yeah, the first episode is incredible. First episode is basically like a Deadwood dedication. I saw this like argument on uh, Twitter the other day that was somebody talking about how the Mandalorians are like a space western or whatever he called it, and some guy was like, "No, it's clearly influenced by the samurai genre or something like that." And I'm like, western and like samurai genre are very very similar, hand in hand. <laughs> Yeah, like there's plenty of samurai movies influenced by westerns, and plenty of westerns influenced by samurai movies. Like, look at like uh, Magnificent Magnificent Seven. Seven. Yeah, is a uh, remake of uh, Seven, Seven samurai. samurai. Now, the second question: Do you watch the extended Hateful Eight, or are you going pure? You bust up yeah, Blu-ray. I, I still haven't seen the uh, the extended one. I heard like not much is really that different. They just made it episodic, and you know I hate episodic things. Well, we got a big episodic thing coming out soon, baby. What is that? Justice League, come on! What podcast oh, am I on? Not anymore, man. It's that's a, a four-hour movie now. <laughs> that's a four-hour block. Oh, yeah, fucking dude. Snyder, dude. I'm feeling the affliction coming off of his t-shirt. You flying in for it? Reed's coming over. <laughs> I mean, shit, I might be on the East Coast soon. Let's let's see. Uh, when is that? March 15th? March 18th or something? 18th. March 18th? It's like Thursday night, which is weird. I guess he's trying to, like, movies get released on Thursday nights a lot of the time, so. Yeah, Steve, if you uh, if you check your phone, uh, Snyder just released, like, the first teaser image of Jared Leto's Joker in Justice Yeah, League. I saw that. I saw that. So I Dude, was like. So, well, it's blurry as hell. It's like his face is blurred out in the background, but it's uh, it looks, like, so much better. He thanked Ayer in that, right? In the tweet? Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, he, he tipped his hat. Yeah, but like it looks like he doesn't have tattoos, which would be awesome because that was like so stupid. Um, but I really hope we know it'll look good visually. Like, I think Zack Snyder, like he does really well with uh, crafting the aesthetics of his superheroes. But I just hope Snyder's like, hey, dude, like don't do what you did last time performance wise. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Jared Leto, especially now. I mean, you guys just recently watched the new Jared Leto joint, which I want you to be able to get into. But I haven't seen it yet. And I kind of think, you know, I, I love Dallas Buyers Club. I thought he did a great job in that. Obviously, he deserved the Oscar, in my opinion. But like outside of that, I feel like he just does what he wants to fucking do. He's kind of like a Tom Hardy-esque character actor now where he's coming in with an idea. And like you're either going to sign him to do the movie or you're going to go with his idea. I think he's more modern Johnny Depp in that way than Tom Hardy. I don't... I mean, yeah, Tom Hardy's obviously more respected, and people will still go see a Tom Hardy movie. I wouldn't necessarily go see a Jared well, Leto feature. Tom Hardy is much less about, like, the aesthetic of his character. As, as a matter of fact, he tries to hide his face well. Like, Johnny Depp, like, let's look at the Fantastic Beasts. He's like, I want a different colored eye. I want a mustache. I want white hair and a mohawk. And it's like, why does that fucking matter? And then they're like, hey, you can't do the movie. <laughs> but we'll still pay you. We're going to recast you. But Who no, got like recast as him? Jared Leto? I'm just kidding. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. All right. I'm into Which it. Also, I like, like that guy. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, Did you guys see another round? I've seen the end scene a bunch. 
Oh, you got to watch that movie, Jake. That's right up your alley, baby. What is it? Another Round. It's a Mads Mikkelsen starring movie. It's not a foreign film, right? Or it might be technically. I think it's foreign. Yeah, but it's like about uh, alcoholics. There's a lot of dancing. It's It's a dramatic beer fest. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie about life, in in my opinion. I've watched it twice, actually, since it came out. I, I do really recommend it. Put that on your letterbox, baby. He's a, he's got Oscar buzz for that. Oh, it's new. Yeah, yeah. it's new. It's, okay, a, it's okay. a newer movie, yeah. With uh, Back to Leto, mm. he's like in The Little Things. He's good, but I, I realize I have like an issue with Jared Leto now, and it's not just because of the Joker. I think it's just because of his persona and his like, you know, personality. Like, you know how he's just very Jared Leto-y. Yeah. And <laughs> like when I see him in movies now, I think it's a lot because – um. I think a lot of the reason is because of the Suicide Squad, like behind yep. the scenes stuff with him being like obnoxious and then used condoms. Used yeah, condoms that whole thing. And then like doing all that and being in the movie for like two minutes and not even really giving a good performance. It's just like, oh, dude, it's like so cringy. So I think like when I see him in this movie, he's very Jared Leto to me. Like I have a hard time getting past that. It's not a bad performance. He he does. He comes off like Jared Leto, though, even at certain times when he was like, kind of going on his like monologue stuff it reminded me of his joker performance a little bit i think he's like kind of like stuck in that little weird spot now but like like dallas buyers club he's phenomenal and obviously he got an oscar for it and requiem mm-hmm. he's phenomenal in and panic that's like room. panic room yeah he's got cornrows but like that's all <laughs> pre-joker and it was almost like pre-jared leto persona like i'm trying to like figure out when he kind of became like this kind of douchey guy and i think it's when his hair got really long the oscar was it i, th- I think it was well, the oscar is what made us be like you know jared leto as like an actor yeah oh fight club too fight club's another one american yeah. uh american, american psycho. psycho i would definitely but, uh, say after the oscar he kind of was like i could do whatever the fuck i want yeah 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 what's uh what's cool with this movie though is um this is not a spoiler because it's, it's set in the trailers like he's he's a main suspect for a serial mm-hmm. killer so, you know how, like, when it's a serial killer movie and they, like, advertise who the killer is, you just, like, you're waiting to see them the whole time? So, like, you're just, like, okay, Jared Leto's out in this world right now, allegedly, you know, uh, killing these people, and they keep coming across these crime scenes, and it keeps happening, and you don't see him for, like, a while. And you're just like, oh, like, where is he? And it kind of it le- leads up this sense of, like, he's in this world right now, and we just haven't seen him yet. And when they, I was waiting for the reveal, I thought it was going to be this big dramatic, oh, here's Jared Leto. Dude, the reveal is so subtle. It like Ooh. made my heart jump. It's like so creepy. And it's Reed, Reed had a similar uh, reaction to it. We both were texting about it. I was just like, whoa. Like I didn't realize it was Jared Leto at first. And I was like, dude, that was a fucking cool character reveal. Like, it was awesome. Like that, like that, it got me like back into the movie because it started to like drag a little bit there for a while. I will say with his performance, I got two things dominant to say um my brother and i uh were talking about it and we both agreed like we don't think jared leto got a script we just think he kind of showed up on set and just talked about how he would do yeah and uh the second thing is like on the aesthetic part of jared leto there's just one really glaringly distracting thing about his performance and it's this underdeveloped fat suit that he's wearing Okay, yeah. Was that what that was supposed to be? Yeah, like he It's so weird because he looks like very gangly and skinny from like the face to like mid torso and then he's got this he's like, got, like basketball. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, Dude, like... I 
he's got a weird gait and then like his arms and legs are the same like he's a jacked dude but then like it's in the middle weird. it just looks like a high school production they're like yeah just you know how many costume weeks do we have just throw them in there yeah, I kept thinking that it was just like baggy clothes or something. I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be his belly or not. That's his belly. And I'm telling you, that's a Leto decision. In the cast, oh, yeah. he was like, I'm <laughs> putting on a small fat suit. Um, it's it's funny because like the script apparently, I didn't know much about the backstory of this movie. And then after I watched it, I was like, wow, this movie like really just checked the boxes of like every 90s, early 2000s you know, crime thriller. Like it's got a lot of cliches, every cliche that there is, it hits it. And I realized this movie was written in like 1990 or something. And it was just been in development like forever and getting like shut down. And uh, it actually, it takes place in the nineties. It's technically a period piece. Yeah. It, it just feels very, very nineties. Like what is the movie called again? I feel like we haven't said the title. Little things. The little, the little things. things. That's it. That's yeah, it. The little things. It's the little things that tear you apart. It's the little things that get you caught, as Denzel says twice in the movie. The fact that this was written in the 90s, you know that string of movies where Morgan Freeman was a detective? It was like a, a long oh, yeah. spider and stuff like that? Seven. If this was just another branch in that movie series with Morgan Freeman replacing Denzel Washington in yeah. 1996, it's like, yeah. Dude, yeah. If you take like a... Uh, let's, uh, Replace Rob just... Malik with like Stephen Dorff. I was going to say like Brad Pitt just because, you know, he was... Uh, and seven with Morgan Freeman. Well, but... this really wants to be seven. Yeah, it, okay. it's got some seventy vibes to it. Remind me a little bit of Prisoners at times. A very undercooked version of Prisoners. I was about to say how, like, on level of cookedness, it's like a rare, medium rare. I, I gave it a three on Letterboxd. Um, Ooh, I think it was it, three or three point five. It um, can I ask? It's fine. You? It's just it's it's fine. It looks it's got fine. some cool it... stuff in it. I would never pay to see it. It's on HBO Max, like we've said, so I would definitely go. I know you guys didn't go to the theaters to see it, like you said, before we started recording. So It's funny because I was so pissed off about the HBO Max thing, and every HBO release that I've seen so far, I've been like, glad I didn't make the trip to the theater for that one. Like Wonder Woman 84? It's Warner I Brothers. Been, I would have been pissed. Wonder Woman. <laughs> it's so silly. It's the silliest movie. Talk your shit, Jake. Let's hear it. Talk your shit. All right. This this is what <laughs> what did it for me is the use of uh, the Sunshine song. Uh, was it Arpeggio in D minor or whatever it's called? Uh, one of the most iconic pieces of film scoring of all time. I don't remember if it was made for like specifically Sunshine or if it was just used most famously in Sunshine, but everyone's always going to use like correlate that song to the movie Sunshine. I mean, it's been used in countless commercials and YouTube videos. I used it in like one of my first supercuts ever because I was, you know, a dumb college kid. But it was that or the Boondock Saints score. Yeah. Uh there's this <laughs> moment in Wonder Woman 84. Have you seen it, Steve? Yeah, I watched it with my mom. Uh, okay. She's so... a beautiful woman. She's better looking than Gal Gadot in my mind. Get I love out of you, town, mom. Really? Wow. No. But oh, you know man. me. Got to <laughs> hype her up. So uh, when uh, it's like a like a big emotional climax of the movie, and then Diana f- finds out that she has uh, the ability of flight, apparently, and uh, oh. or kind of like she's like riding airwaves or whatever, and it, it goes from like the Wonder Woman, you know, Hans Zimmer music, and slowly like creeping in. I, I heard uh, sun the, the sunshine song, and I was just like, 
oh, this is a little similar, uh, Zimmer. Like he's cutting a little close here. Then I'm like, oh no, it's just actually that. Like when so when you're editing a movie and you the film score is not done yet or it's being you know composed still, you use uh, temp tracks. So mm-hmm. you can take something very famous and put it in there for the time being. So you have something to, to work with when you're, you know, running through footage and something to, you know, kind of cut to. And uh, you usually pick something that captures the vibe of the upcoming score. Like, I feel like they did that and they're like, oh, well, this is an iconic thing that makes everything more dramatic and epic. So we'll put that in there. And then they just forgot to take it out. Like, that's what it seems like. It was so weird. I, like, dude, like, I know that's like a petty thing to like break like say that really made you hate a movie, but I just hated that. I was just like, that is so stupid. And then right after that, they reuse, uh, what was it? Beautiful lie from uh Batman V Superman, the opening credit song. Well, Hans Zimmer did say he made it for the world and not just for that movie. That's stupid. That's so I, dumb. Like I it's agree. been in one movie <laughs> up until then. And that and movie's being retconned. Yeah. It, it's also like a, uh, like I shouldn't say iconic because, you know, BVS is not, I don't want to call it like an iconic movie, but for that movie, that song is like the best aspect of the score. Like, it's like a, that's what you would like, you would recall that. Like it's, it's very like memorable. And then they just used it for a stupid, like the guy from the Mandalorian, like yelling at people about touching them and shit. I don't know. It was, it's just stupid. Pedro. <laughs> So do you think it was Patty Jenkins fault? Because when I was watching that movie, I felt like it was more like too many hands in the cookie jar kind of vibe than it was more because I like the first Wonder Woman and I think she's a great director. But do you blame her for like, I don't know, like letting it slip? I mean, it's just it's just I, I did not like the movie at all. And she just got signed up to direct a new Star Wars movie. So I'm like, you know, can we can we put our faith in her? But she does seem like she knows how to deal with the studio. I don't know. Well, the the scene that she fought for in the first Wonder Woman oh, was God, yeah. the No Man's Land, which like is iconic, like hands yeah. down. That that scene gets me pumped, and like everything that happens after that whole battle scene is amazing. And she said that the scene she had to fight for in '84 was the mall scene and the um the opening. Which is like the most silly. Why is Wonder Woman chasing also her? stupid? And also like it's like cat 14 burglar. minutes long. Yeah. Dude, yeah. It took me out of it before the movie even began. I was like, this is stupid. I don't care about any of this. This is and so it, dumb. It also didn't play into any part of It never came back. Yeah. Like I I like thought there was at least gonna be like a line of dialogue or something that would trigger something down the road, and that's why they had to put it in there. It was literally just like, oh, here's the message of the movie that's gonna get slammed in your face for the next two and a half hours anyway. So let's just make a whole ridiculous 14 minute sequence to set up us setting up the theme that's going to get established like down the road so stupid so the fact that she like in the first one she's like no this needs to happen because this is the empowerment of this superhero this is her taking ownership it's a big reveal i'm like yeah that makes sense you're a good director but then for this one the studio being like you know maybe we don't need this weird olympic beginning and then this really weird mismatch weird toned mall scene and she's like nope it needs to happen i'm like all right so you're kind of dude i can't put my finger on why i hated the mall scene so much like i i really don't know but i just remember watching it and i was just like dude this is awful like this is so cringy to me and i i can't like 
really define like what what I don't like about it. For it's me, just, it was the know, editing, the pacing. Why are we here? Who, what, when, it's, where, and why? And like, why is Wonder candy. Woman chase? Yeah, yeah it's cheesy, candy. dude. It was guess what time period we're in, baby? It's in the fucking title. Yeah, like right. And then we like we needed a five minute joke about parachute pants. Like, okay, sure, the, hilarious. The one thing that took me out of it was they're in the invisible jet flying through the sky. All the fireworks going For on. Like twenty minutes. It's like, <laughs> guys, that's a dangerous flight path. All right, you can't be going through fireworks. Jets invisible or not, it's still a jet. You feel me? Also, Chris Pine, planes have updated. Exactly. Yeah, he just figured out how to fly it like super and that, quick. I'm not going to spoil anything, but that whole Chris Pine thing just, oh man, it, it takes so much to ruin Chris Pine for me. You know? Uh, he gets ruined pretty easily for me. Not a huge oh, Pine okay. guy. I'm he's probably pine. my least. He's probably like my least favorite Chris. I'm a wow, oh, wow. Out of the yeah, four me Chris's. and Reed are offended. Out of the four Chris's and Christopherson. Sure, we'll throw mm. him in there. Oh wait, hold on. Chris from Plas, McLovin. He's probably bottom <laughs> of the list for me. Uh, Chris O'Donnell. There we oh, go. I just I, I like just watched uh, something with McLovin in it. Oh, um, shit. The uh, movie with uh, Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham. Oh, oh. And, oh, no. that Something Girl, right? Um, uh, something Woman, I think. Promising Young Woman. That's Promising it. Young Woman. Bo yeah. Burnham needs to be in more things. I watched that, too. That was a good movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. It, it was it was it was all right. Don't get me wrong. I, I got nothing else to watch. You know, it, it made me feel pretty good. <laughs> it, it was a movie. I feel like people were all generally kind of stale on. But you know, I like Bo Burnham. That's all. He needs to be. Yeah, in more so things. That's what I'm. Trying you have to have you seen it, Reed? No, I haven't. But I thought okay, well, I he was also great it. in The Big Sick. Uh, yeah, he's great. Anything, but I, I have the, had the similar like issue to what everyone had with that movie with kind of what happens with Bo Burnham's character. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, I, I get I get what they were doing, but it's just it it felt mm. off for the movie. Like it made it made it made sense thematically for what they were going for, but I was just like, uh, I don't like that. Did you watch Bajillionaire <laughs> yet? Hell yeah, baby! Oh, man, that's on my list. I think that's my uh, next watch. This upcoming weekend, so yeah, that I'll was text, my. I'll text uh, you about it. That was my number two of 2020. Yeah, that's what a, I, it was pretty high on a lot of people's list. So I was like, I need to check it out. My number one being a uh, black bear, which is awesome. This meeting has been upgraded by the host and will now include unlimited minutes. Hey, hey. we go. I didn't upgrade it, so <laughs> this could be Ernest in the background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just appreciate you, Ernest. <laughs> We bought Florida. a Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we bought a Zoom. <laughs> um, so, uh, in addition to uh, like being on like a modern Western kick, I've I've been going through a huge gambling movie phase, specifically oh. Texas Hold'em poker movies, dude. I so quarantine led me to discover online Texas Hold'em. And I'm very addicted to that right now. He is now ten thousand dollars in debt. <laughs> is that why you have a sunglass tan? That's why I had to uh, d- delete the paid version of Zoom, and we had to to wing it. You bought three copies Ernest of Molly's Bailey's game. <laughs> yeah, I watched Molly's game. I watched Rounders for the first time. Oh, Rounders. I was about to ask if you watched it. Rounders Dude, is Rounders, cool. Rounders is becoming like one of my uh, comfort movie watches now. I've seen it like so many times, 
and it's very quotable to me. And like, so when like I play poker, I'll just say those lines a lot. Somebody, you know, bets a lot pre-flop. You got to do the John Malkovich. Very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> I go. He goes for in that movie, I and I love it. The pot. His With Russian accent is like, fuck I want. Did you hear the story about when... Uh, pay him the money. He what, yeah, Pay this man his money. money. Um, when... Uh, did you see the video of uh, Matt Damon explaining when Malkovich came on set for day one? He said Malkovich didn't come in until much later in the filming process. There was sure. like a lot of the movie already filmed. So Damon said there was like this energy on set, just like, oh my God, like 13 days till Malkovich gets here, 12 days, like this countdown, like everyone was all hyped up. It just said it gave the whole production like this kind of like mystique, like knowing that this actor was coming in. And they said on his first rehearsal, they sat down with Damon for like one of the poker scenes and he just started ripping out that accent, but doing it like way more dramatic. Uh, the, Damon does it on the video. Is this his TikTok? Is this Matt Damon's TikTok? No, it was uh, something on YouTube, but it's like he was doing this line like super up and down, like super like crazy, you know, dynamics to his voice. And apparently everyone on set was just like, oh, like bravo, like really egging him on. And apparently Damon was like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? But like, obviously can't say that to John Malkovich. So I guess he just kind of said it with his face and Malkovich picked up on it. So he told Damon to lean in. He leaned across the table and he just goes, I'm a terrible actor. And just <laughs> lean back. <laughs> He's the best. Dude, yeah, he is fucking cool. But um, what other gambling movies? I mean, did you watch uh, Swingers for me? I mean, <laughs> Casino Royale. Dude, I, I think I did actually. Yeah. Uh, Casino Royale. Also the most ridiculous poker scene ever. Casino yes. Royale. Like there's like, four people that go all in and for, you know, people that know poker, like somebody gets a straight flush, which is very, very rare. And then also somebody has a very high full house and somebody has like a straight and somebody else has a higher full house. It's like, it's, it's absurd. Like it would never happen. It'd be like a one in a billion chance, but uh Mississippi grind. I really enjoyed uh, good movie, Ryan Reynolds. Movie. Yeah. That movie's cool. Uh, it's Ryan Reynolds and uh, God, I always forget this guy's name. Uh, ben. Was it Mendelson? Ben Mendelson. Yeah. Yeah, Did you he see was the in, one... like Dark Knight Rises and killing him softly. Oh yeah, the new Alan Rickman. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> did you see the? Uh... Ooh, did you see that one starring Jake Johnson? The uh, one on all. Netflix, win it all. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's uh, Swanberg. Swanberg, yeah. yep. Yeah, drinking my man buddies. John. Yeah, I, I yeah. dig Mumblecore. Yeah, drinking buddies. That's one of my favorite movies. Dude, same. Yeah. I love drinking buddies. Yeah. That's that's a comfort movie for me. I love that whole camp of people, Ty West and all of them. That was such a good, like, little era of cinema for me. That was like that movie had zero script. Yeah, I believe I believe entire movies improvised. They they made a pretty decent watch on Netflix. Everybody, if you want to check it out, (laughs) you know what? Uh, what I love about that movie is the scene where uh, Jake Johnson's character is helping Olivia Wilde's character move. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, like he's he's got the hots for it, right? And dude, it's like one of the most realistic portrayals of like I shouldn't say sexual frustration, but like relationship frustration I've ever but, seen. Because yeah. he's he's got like a you know super crush on Olivia Wilde, who's his coworker and his friend. So she's moving, and he wants to like kind of impress her and help her move and take her out to dinner afterwards. And everything just starts going wrong. And when he cuts his hand on the nail, help moving her couch, and he's like bleeding out everywhere. 
and she's like super like off put by it, like not helping him. I was like, dude, that frustration level right there gotta be through the roof. And then after all that, he's like, Hey, let's get showered up and go to dinner. And she's like, nah, I want to go out to drinks, go out for drinks with the guys, like all the other dudes she works with. And it's like the biggest gut punch. I, so good. Steve, I think, it, I think it's you that has it, but that hit me more than the 500 days of summer, the expectation versus reality. Cause like you that, felt, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> felt, felt what Jake Johnson wanted to happen. And the fact of like, we felt that being taken away from him. Like we felt his frustration about like feeling weak about his hand being cut and like, yeah. him like pushing her away when she's offering to help. And he's like, no, I'm just fucking just, it's fine. And then she makes that like sexual joke to the other guy. So like, he's trying to like, he's trying to be like, you know, the macho guy and be the only one helping her move. And then like two other dudes show up who she's kind of flirty with from, uh, from the brewery they work at. And she makes a joke like uh, the guy's like carrying a ceramic cat. And she's like, careful with my pussy. And she doesn't say it to Jake Johnson. She says it to the other guy. And you can just see him in the background. He's just like, oh. like, dude, we've all been yeah, there. We've, we've been, all been there. That's my that, constant state of my yeah, life. Guys. Where you're like trying to trying to impress a girl. And it's just not going your way. And then she starts getting flirty with somebody else. It's like the worst fucking feeling. And that, that movie captured it so well. And it's crazy. It was all unscripted. Like they just vibed, vibed all that stuff out. I did get a new tattoo. Oh, that might you... be might be up there, cringeworthy with the other is it, one. Uh, Depending is it on from it, a, is it from no, another Mark Webb it's, film? <laughs> no, it's a the Kanye West bear from the graduation album cover, baby. Let's get problematic. Nobody said you weren't eclectic, Steve. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I do like my crazy artists. Have you ever seen Made? By the way, Jake. Made. Made. It's on HBO Max. It is a pseudo sequel to Swingers, starring Favi and Vince Vaughn. Really? No yeah, and it that. has one of the don't look it up, okay? Don't look up okay. the cast. It has one of the best like random people in the world playing a character in a movie that gets yeah. ha- introduced halfway like ever. And it's got a very early Sam Rockwell, maybe his like second appearance on film. And oh, it is wow. it's a great it's a great time. If you like swingers, it's a it's a it's a decent watch. It's like 90 minutes in and out. Made. Oh, hell yeah. Is it like I, the I, same same vibe as Swingers? Same vibe. Favreau wrote it, but he also directed it. So if you've been off the chef kick, I do recommend uh, checking it out. And it's still like young Fav. And just a sidebar, when I was watching The Sopranos, there's an episode with young Favreau in it. And he like is directing Janine Garofalo and stuff in the scene. And he like meets one of the kind of mobby characters to like talk to him about a script. And it's just so... I just love John Favreau. I wish that guy the best of luck if i could work for anybody that's my modern spielberg right now like i love john favreau everything he does from the lower level stuff like chef to the upper level stuff i mean i'm not a big lion king fan or anything but i do think he does like great work the mandalorian is one of my favorite things to come across pop culture probably since like the first three seasons of game of thrones so like i'm having an unbelievable time it's the era of favreau and let's let that man keep banging out flicks and doing everything he wants to do give him all the checks in the world sign steven the Faversants. The Faversants. The Faversants. Um, yeah, man, he's crushing. It's crazy, like, to look back. Uh, I was watching Friends the other day, and, like, he's he's on Friends as, like, one of his earlier roles. The as, MMA fighter. Boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's weird to think that, like, he went from this kind of – he was, like, playing, like, the schlubby guys and or, like, the super aggro guys, like, in a, like the replacements, to literally being, like – the guy everyone's for, uncle yeah like like he's the star wars guy like i 
he's got more like influence over Star Wars at this point than George Lucas does. It's crazy. 100%. And he did everything himself. Like everything that he's done has been like on his own terms, which I really appreciate. Like we wouldn't have the MCU without him, like establishing that flag in the ground as hard as he did. We wouldn't have a lot of stuff like within the last 25 years of cinema if he, if he never like wrote swingers because he had heartbreak in an apartment in LA to like now it's just a crazy thing and i uh i love chef like i said i've been rewatching that movie often because it's he makes movies that are like really great about friendship and that, like i said i've been rewatching entourage but like that's something that i don't think is explored well enough in movies to an extent like every movie's about friendship but he really nails like what it's actually like to have friends and uh i appreciate that do we think you'll get a biopic? I mean, maybe like a Showtime miniseries or maybe on Disney Plus, but who knows? Mm. I, I hope he gets a biopic. In my mind, like for my money, that guy like can't seemingly do any wrong in Hollywood. So he kind of has the green light to do whatever he wants. And I appreciate that because he's always kind of uh, pushing that narrative that he wants to push. And I think that everything he's been touching uh, obviously financially turns into gold, but also has some good heart behind it. I was going to say, I think the biggest thing behind him, and like you see it on the chef show is there's not an ounce of cynicism Mm-mm. in him. There, it's a, nothing is paycheck. It's, I really want to tell this story. I really uh, hope he's you just, let me tell this story this way. He's yeah. very like curious and inquisitive when it comes to food. So like, it's so interesting because he asks really, really good questions because he wants yeah. to know, he wants to learn. So it's like, you know, so many food shows are just kind of somebody like, just talking to the camera, telling you what to do. And he actually gets in there and asks like curious questions. Um, and I'm, al- I'm also pretty sure that the actor that plays his son and chef is the same actor who plays Alec Baldwin's son. And uh, it's complicated. complicated. God damn you. Oh, you bring it in full circle, the circle yeah. of life, <laughs> Lion King. I'll tell you this. The one thing about Favs that I do love and appreciate just like uh, <laughs> what you brought up is just the fact that like, he has done so many things that like people don't know that he produced or even like wrote on. And like, he, he's really like, I just look up to that a lot because he did it on his own terms and I, and I appreciate that. And I look forward to everything he does in the future. I feel like I had another point, but I'm shooting it from 35 out. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Going on with that was chef, like you being so rewatchable. I just rewatched, uh, uh, five-year engagement the other day yeah because uh, that's like one of my com- me and reed like made like letterbox lists of like our comfort movies because like i've been like mowing through those lately and um i put the five-year engagement on there I was like oh man i haven't seen that in a few years and i think it's on hbo max or something so i put it on dude that movie's so good it's just delightful it's just got such a nice tone to it that has one of the funniest sight bits of uh, any the movie. jason siegel eyes yep. <laughs> dude i laughed so hard at that part <laughs> I, I, it's a, there's no way to really explain it on a podcast but no but I, I think that's one of the things that like you and i really bonded on because the last five years it didn't like make a splash pop culturally like at all and that was like yeah. the height of jason siegel but i need uh, to get back to that point <laughs> i'm always at that point well, actually uh he's got a new movie coming out with dakota johnson who played the oh yeah plays the, the girl yeah 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 with yeah, casey well, affleck the, just for reference, the part that we were uh, referring to is when uh, Jason Siegel's character is like trying to go to sleep, and uh, Dakota Johnson's like trying to get him to stay awake, so she keeps like pulling <laughs> on his eyelids, and she's like, "I want to see your eyes." And Jason Siegel does this super aggressive, like, like lean in, like with his eyes like super wide, and, and she then just rolls goes, back over. Yeah, she just goes, 
Tom, that was really aggressive. And it's just, it's just so fucking funny to me. <laughs> it's, it's such a very true, true moment. I was like busy doing something the other day and I just wanted like background noise. So I was like, all right, I just need like a, uh, just like a, like a comfort type movie. Uh, like when Harry met Sally type vibe on the background right now. And I just rewatched uh, when Harry met Sally like a few days prior. So I was like, I can't put that on again. So uh, it was like under recommended or whatever. It just came up. Uh, you got mail. Mm-hmm. And I ne- never, ever tried to watch You Got Mail. Dude, that is the most cliche. Speaking of cliches, like with the, the little things, the most cliche rom-com I've ever seen in my entire life. It like, I, I got sucked into it a little bit because um, They Came Together is one of my favorite comedies of all time. The David Wayne movie with Paul Rudd and uh, Amy Poehler. And that movie... Uh, it's, it's, it's like a very self-aware, like kind of like rom-com parody type movie. Um, so many of the things that they're making fun of are you got male references. And I never really realized that like the whole plot of they came together is literally the plot of you got mail, uh, except it's a candy store instead of a bookstore or something. <laughs> but dude, uh, even the character's name, I think that uh, Tom Hanks's character's name is Joe and Paul Rudd's character's name is Joel. So it's like super close, but dude, the most cliched movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Like it's it's a it's obscene. It's it's absolutely absurd. I was like I was like, there's no way this is like a straightforward movie. Like this this seems like it it has to be somewhat self aware. Like it's got to be like a parody or something. It's like the rom com version of the teen movie where it's like, oh, I bet you can't turn that ugly girl attractive. Right. Yeah. Which uh, which movie is like? I'm trying to think of like that movie. Uh, that's uh. She's all that about you. She's nah. all that. She's all that. That's it. Okay. So like, I remember I was a big fan of um, not another teen movie. Legendary so like, flick. Yeah. So like knowing that whole plot and then seeing she's all that. I was like, oh, oh. that's what. It, so it was the same thing with they came together and uh, you got mail. I was like, oh, okay. Same thing with a uh, scary movie and scream. I saw a scary movie before scream. So it was like, dude, I actually just watched scream recently for the first time ever. Never oh, wow. seen it. Shout yeah. out to Anna Ferris. Really? So uh, I was watching, dude, and I was like cracking up, though, because I'm like, dude, this is a scary movie. And I, I'm just, I, apparently, if there's a parody movie, I just do everything backwards. I'll see the parody and then see the, the original one. Except uh, I saw like Super Bad and Knocked Up and Forgetting Sarah Marshall uh, before I saw the uh, 40 year old virgin who knocked up Sarah Marshall and felt super bad about it. I never saw that, but I always saw it at Blockbuster. <laughs> Dude, made it like two minutes in and turns it off. It's 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 literally the worst thing ever. Did so you make bad. it for Carmen Electra to arrive? Because I'm automatically assuming she was in that movie. Dude, I I think it was Pam think, Anderson. I think it was bad enough that Carmen Electra turned that shit down. Like it's it's rough. Like Car- and that Carmen Electra did epic movie, which might be the worst movie I've ever sat through. Was Tara Reed in it? Um, oh, that is a deciding factor. That's a, that's a good factor. Um, Shouts out to the Big Lebowski, though. So for me, kind of with like the comfort movie thing, it, it kind of transcends the hangout movie, kind of what you're describing, like mm. movies that you could turn on and just hang out with right, or yeah. hang out to, you know? So like Days of Confused, stuff like that. That's like big up there for me as well. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So yeah, that's an movie. ultimate hangout movie as well, yeah. Um, I just watched uh, Tombstone for the first time because, like I said, I was going through a Western thing. Uh, which not an ultimate hangout movie, but the ultimate dad movie of all time. That is a dad movie to the max, which is funny because growing up, my dad had this giant, giant 
print of uh, Doc Holliday on the living room wall. And I just always was like, oh, yeah, it's Batman. Like, I never really understood what it was. <laughs> I just knew it was Val Kilmer. And uh, I was like, oh, OK, that's why, because this is a very dad movie. It's got like every dad movie cliche in it. And also Kurt Russell in every single Western almost ever. I'm sure that's why he gets brought back by Tarantino to do a lot of movies. Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, very... he's in a lot of uh, Westerns. Let's bring him back. Yeah, he, he likes them. It'd be really weird if you didn't see any Val Kilmer movie until Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And then you look back on your childhood, you're like, why did my dad have a picture of Gabe Perry? Dude, <laughs> yeah. It also like made me realize that uh, the there's a joke in MacGruber with just the casting because Val Kilmer is cast as the, the villain and uh, what's his name? Powers. Uh, shit. You know what I'm talking. He's the only actor named Powers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his <Kenny>? last name is. <laughs> no, uh, God damn it, Powers something. But he, uh, he, he's like the uh, MacGruber's boss, in, in MacGruber. So that's like definitely like a reference to uh, to Tombstone. I uh, I only just watched MacGruber for the first time, and you know, like Christopher Nolan is obsessed with MacGruber, right? Loves MacGruber. Yeah, it's one of his favorite movies. That's insane to me. Yeah, because MacGruber is one of those ones that I think is one of the funniest movies ever, but it's not well liked like amongst my my peers. It seems Powers are Booth. You, Powers Booth. That's it. Are you SNL heads? Like, were you a MacGruber guy before you saw the movie, or did you get in? I'm an SNL head. I know you are, Reed. I like yeah. older SNL. Not okay, not but uh, Andy Samberg era. Come on, that was a yeah, that was yeah. A that's highlight. a great era. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah that's what yeah. I meant. Like older, like not yeah. current. Yeah. You know, Yorma directed McGruber, right? From the right, yeah. yeah. I just yeah. watched uh, Pop Star Never Stop Popping, like for the fifth time, but I just watched it like last week. One of my so favorite movies to hang out to. That is just you. You look over for like two minutes, and you've seen like five bits that are gold, and then you look away, and then you can come back. It's just, it's so good. That was one of those movies where it it was like the random not super funny scene was the one that made me laugh the hardest and like always stuck with me. And I was like the only one in the theater laughing is like, that tends to happen quite a bit is the scene where, uh, what's his name? Akiva, 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 yeah. Akiva. Uh, they go to the farm and they like bring him back and they, they, they put him in the limo and he's like, he, he's out here. He just wants to talk to you. And like Andy Samberg looks over and he's just like doing the Kubrick stare in the limo <laughs> and he's just poking the cheese with the toothpick. Dude, I, that sent me, I was in the theater laughing like a madman the only one i just i just also I always think i think it's hilarious when uh like the kubrick stare is brought into other movies for some reason it's just it always gets me he's so good when he has he has like the, he's making all the wooden stuff out, out of like you know he's started chiseling or whatever and he holds up the mask to his face and he's like this is a mask still me and he takes it off it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> dude yeah there's those guys are fucking hilarious akiva i think directed hot rod which yeah. is another one of the funniest movies ever for me that's like a movie i want to show my kids at an early age you know what i mean i feel like that's going to fly under the radar for a lot of generations but for our Dude, generation yeah. i feel like it's such a gold standard of comedy hot rod's like another one that i always just like throw on in the background just like it's got like a good vibe to it and it's that, just dude, it's fucking hilarious the acid scene is one of my favorite scenes in cinema history hey, you want this acid, acid. When he puts Dude, on the hat and slides out, <laughs> and that's so Akiva. Much, that's Akiva. They offer director cameo. Um, there's just so much like random shit in that movie that's funny to me. Like when uh, 
they're like doing the montage of like their plan. And then it just does that little cutaway to them and the homeless guy, like out in the parking lot. Pop, and he's like, in the bubbles. Yeah. And plenty of newspaper to sleep like, on. Hey, what are you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking random, dude. Such a such a good movie. I I think that Sandberg need like Palm Springs this past year was one of my favorite movies to like turn on and watch in the background as well. I probably right, saw yeah. that five times. Mm-hmm. I I hope he. I know that wasn't necessarily like they produced it and it wasn't necessarily his project, but I I do see like a a great career coming for uh, Andy Dude. in the future. I like that like movies that just have good. This sounds so stupid to say, but like have good vibes. Like they just have a good like air about them. Like they just put off like positive feelings. Like. Uh, super bad's one for me. Like that movie just always, I think it just reminds me so much of high school. Like that one puts out a really good vibe. It's complicated, obviously very warm vibe. Nice snowy day. Throw on. It's complicated. Rainy Sunday morning. Throw on. It's complicated. Christmas Eve. Throw on. It's complicated. Date night. You're throwing on. It's complicated. (laughs) You want to hit this white widow, baby? Steve Martin smokes weed. (laughs) I don't poke smart. I don't poke smart. I, I haven't been watching uh, too many movies recently, but every time I do, I do see myself going back to like movies I've seen a thousand times, a hundred times, whatever it is, just to like feel that comfort. And I do think that just how prolonged all this shit has been. I think the first episode I did with you, Jake, was like right before COVID. And then we had an episode where we were like, oh, I got to wait till May for Fast and the Furious. And now we're waiting until like 2022. So weird, dude. Yeah, I went back and like listened to some old episodes the other day, just out of curiosity. And like the first uh, few around like the COVID era, it's kind of like, yeah, did you hear that this like, like you know, coronavirus thing in China is like might affect <laughs> movies over here? Like it's kind of like, crazy. And, and then, then dude, t- I li- I literally say at some point like the bond got pushed back to November. And I'm like, oh, that's gonna be way good. Like it's so, it's so weird to look back like and listen to that. Like we had no idea. Or me, me specifically, it was very, very ignorant to it. And then in two years, we're going to be all sitting here talking about a John Favreau produced coronavirus film. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Like, like we're going to be in for that kind of like post nine eleven. We got to watch a bunch of movies about this shit kind of thing. Which, you know, I I, I kind of want a movie that's based in COVID, but ha- like never really mentions it. You know, like everyone's wearing masks, like blah blah blah. But it's not like the centerpiece of the movie. So it just kind of make like the accepted norm. It's like, the, remember this time period, but like, it's never like, oh, it's weird. I kind of hope they don't do that, actually, because every time I see it in a commercial, it's just so off-putting to me. Like in yeah. commercials when people are wearing masks. All the Uber it's, and Lyft commercials, they're like, dude, we're wearing it's masks. It's so strange, too, because there's that one like AT&T commercial that it's like, it says a disclaimer at the bottom, and it was like, this commercial is filmed under safe conditions. Please wear a mask. It's well, just wild a, that you have to put that. You watch a lot more NFL than out. me. <laughs> what do you say Reed? there's the uh, the netflix movie coming out with um uh dental washington sun and zendaya that like it's being broadcast as like it was filmed during covid but it was like done safely done remotely and everything like that it's like malcolm and something i haven't heard of that one yeah it's, I love- a, it's this intense black and white movie coming out it's about like this couple going through like a really real parts of their relationship with like the highs and lows being isolated it's supposed to get like a lot of really good buzz i'll check it out i just saw i saw tenant in the last like three months as well Oof. Oof. and 
I've been listening to a couple of old episodes because I've burned through so many podcasts in the last couple months. Like I've got nothing left unless it's day of. <laughs> and I was on a trip with a lady friend and we were driving down the coast and I was like, oh, I'm going to like, let's listen to this comic book fights episode. So we listened to both of the series. of. Wait, that. wait, you had a you had a girl with you and you listened to our uh, comic book fight movie episode. She likes to listen that's how to me talk, that's how Jake. What can I say? What can I say? I don't have to talk. Listen to me talk, you know? Spoilers. Dude, I don't even, t- I don't even tell people. I don't tell people that I know in real life that I have a podcast besides people that have been on it, like Reed and Rory. Like, I don't I don't broadcast this to anybody. Oh, you got to like, flex the brand. I'm out here being like, look at what I'm doing elsewhere. My extracurricular activities are crazy. Yeah, dude, I'll promote it on Twitter because I don't like know anybody that follows me on Twitter like personally besides just online and being movie nerds. Like Facebook, it's completely dry on the podcast. I won't even mention it ever because that's all like people I know. I have no Sorry, I didn't mean to, Facebook. I didn't mean no, you're, 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 you're no, good. No. It, it's- so anyway, I'm, I'm assuming you seduced this woman. You pulled over at a motel somewhere. No, <laughs> we had a very lovely Airbnb. No seducing needed. She already appreciates me. Why not listen to something I've done? But I've been she listening. She heard you hit that $500 question. She was like, pull over. Pull over. <laughs> <laughs> we need a break. I did, uh, but I've been listening to a lot of episodes and it's just like, it, it is crazy to think about where we're at right now. And when it comes to like COVID movie stuff and listening to you guys talk about 10 and I was like, wow, I, I agree with a lot of what you guys said and didn't say at the same time because you guys were kind of spoiler free on it but the biggest question i have coming out of tenant is when are we going to stop calling denzel's son denzel's son because i thought it was after that movie that we would go by john david washington yeah. but now he's still denzel's son i mean if your dad's denzel you're always going to be denzel's son i guess so also like i need to have a character that you play that isn't just named protagonist of course, I didn't know that until you know three fourths of the movie that that's what that guy called himself. I, it's like uh, I've like I said, I've been watching Entourage, and it's not necessarily the most PC thing anymore. But there's a character like Ari Gold's wife in the show is just named Ari's wife, Mrs. Ari. Yeah. It's Miss like, come Ari. on! <laughs> Remember, she starts banging Bobby Flay. I love yeah. that crazy scene. subplot. <laughs> so yeah, many dude, crazy on- subplots. Entourage would have a hard time thriving today. They would. They actually have a podcast where they like talk about that. It's the creator Doug Ellen and Johnny Drama and E, and they all like sit around. They invite all the old heads coming through the podcast. It's like a pretty easy listen, but it's called Victory. Actually, the podcast Victory, and they definitely talk about like, yo, we could not have done this scene, like all the Lloyd stuff. There's so much, but they want to reboot it because Sex in the City is getting rebooted. And all these oh, HBO boy. shows on HBO Max, uh, who knows? Come on. Who, who well, knows? it doesn't have Samantha, so it doesn't... And that's the thing, is it doesn't have like one of the characters. I'm not Samantha. It's like bringing Entourage back without Vince. I have sex. That's the only... I don't, I've never seen Sex in the City. That's the only connection to Sex in the City I have is forgetting so, Sarah Marshall. <laughs> this is weird, but I used to watch Sex in, sex in the City like semi-regularly. No, when it was on TBS, Reed just made a face. Um, not well, when it was on HBO you don't because watch TV, but Sex and City. No, 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 no. I'm talking TV. like yes. I'm talking like eighth grade, like when I was like a little kid because it was always on late night on TBS when I was getting ready to go to sleep. So that's we're what, just like, waiting for was... those Girls Gone Wild commercials. Well, dude, TBS edits like all the sexual stuff out of it because it's TBS, obviously, and it came from HBO to TBS. So I remember thinking I was like slick as shit in like seventh or eighth grade, watching like Sex and the City at like eleven <laughs> on TBS. I'm like. This is very mild. Like, there's not a lot of <laughs> sexual of stuff. This should just be called the city. Like, what is going the on? The city, yeah. And Women complaining. 
TBS just like edits everything down so much. It was like no sexual content whatsoever. And that's but, what uh, Entourage is kind of. It's it's Sex in the City for it's guys complaining. It's just Sex in the City for men in a weird way. Right. Yeah. So I understand what what Entourage was doing with like a lot of the subject matter because like it was about douchebags essentially. Like everyone in Entourage is kind of douchey. Yeah. Uh, like they're like likable douchey though. Like Kenny Powers. Like you like him on TV. He's not a likable person in real life. Like you would never be friends with Kenny yeah. Powers. He's no. a terrible fucking person. You would never be friends with any of the it's it's uh it's always Sunny Crew. Like, but That's true. they're very, very likable. Like Charlie and Mac and Dennis, they're all like, we love those characters, but you would never hang out with them in real life. And that's why what's annoying with like, uh, quote unquote, woke Twitter with like trying to cancel everybody because there's a difference between the actor feeling a certain way and portraying a character that feels that way. Like, and people just don't realize that for some reason they want to come after people for like subject matter. And that's what's so stupid. and that's what's so crazy about Entourage. Just as like a sidebar, I know Reed just got back into this conversation. He's like, "How the fuck did we get here?" But <laughs> it, 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 it's like when it comes to guest stars and stuff like that. Sometimes they're doing problematic things. Like I can think of Saget and all this stuff. And it's like, right? You got to think of the sidebar subject matter that these characters are going through. But it was for me as like a kid who always had interest in Hollywood, like the ultimate show it's like it we get is, to see yeah, the behind 100%. the scenes and all this stuff and like i would i don't think i would be friends with all of the entourage guys but i'd definitely smoke a joint with turtle you know what i mean oh, I, yeah. I i would hang out around them but i probably wouldn't get along with any of them at the same time but it is a hangout show it's a comfort show for me where it's i watched it in high school and now when i get a rewatch and i'm like oh i f- i remember how much fun it used to be to like drop in for 20 minutes which as a yeah. movie lover it's hard for me sometimes because i want to sit down for two hours and watch a movie just like the little things but i could also chomp down five episodes of entourage and have a great time instead of watching rami malik somehow flex his cheekbones a different way he's <laughs> he flexes them hardcore and the little things if there's one thing about entourage that me out, it's not that james cameron's aquaman doesn't exist it's that martin scorsese's great gatsby doesn't exist like oh, right. sometimes Gatsby. in like fictional Hollywood, like they'll make a movie that you're just like, well, that's that's the idea. Like that's fucking everything right there. So well, we got a whole show about Pablo Escobar. You got to remember, and that was big money. Shouts out to Pedro Pascal, or as Jake calls him, that guy from The Mandalorian. <laughs> just kidding. Well, because he doesn't know him as Viper either. He's the guy that's seemingly unaware that he's in Wonder Woman eighty four because he's the only person that's like going completely over the he's going top. mad he saw jared leto and he was like just hold my fucking beer dog dude i was like whoa where is this guy coming from he's he's uh that's just it's such a bad movie like don't let it ruin your guys's night okay yeah dude that that's one that just like i don't i'm i don't care enough about wonder woman to like have it like bum me out if the batman sucks i'm like gonna be on suicide watch it's gonna be tough when do we think we get that on hbo it max got, it just got moved. Dude, i was about to ask this earlier and i, I got distracted march so uh say that the, the batman comes out say theaters are exactly how they are right now like a lot of them shut down and then if you can go to one mask and like super distance restrictions and everything you have hbo max the batman gets released do you go to a theater to see it or do you watch it on your couch theater Everyone in San Francisco is supposedly going to get vaccinated by June, so I will be in a theater. Say, with say, 
say were to come out like next month? Oh, I'm driving up to Napa where they don't give a fuck, and I'm wearing two masks, a condom, <laughs> because I might I might pre my pants during that movie, you know. And then I'm say, def- why are you bringing a bringing the podcast girl with you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, maybe if she she's willing to make a long drive, but I'm definitely going. I, to- I hope she <laughs> listens to this one too there with are- you in the car. <laughs> she supports me. Who cares? It's a it, that's a, that's a tough one because like I obviously want to see it in theaters, but. If I like can't get to a theater, I, I know I'm gonna want to watch it as soon as possible. And like I think like if I wake up that morning and it's like, oh, I can click a button right now and get it like in my eyes immediately rather than driving two hours, which is how far I have to drive right now uh, almost to go see it. Well, I think that's what it comes down to. Like if it's feasible for me to be able to see it in the theater, then yeah, I'm willing to make that drive. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't come out on HBO Max. Or I would like it if they would do like two weeks of like theater uh, ex- like exclusivity and then have it go to HBO Max like two weeks later. I would like that because then it would it would persuade people to keep going to the movies. I want that if there's a movie theater close to us that we can go to. Because if I have the Batman ruined for me. Oh, yeah, exactly. I will burn Utica to the ground. Dude, if my... If, if our, like, Annapolis Theater, like the one we usually go to, if that was open yeah. right now, it would be no question because that's, you know, the closest one. But, right, I'm not driving to that fucking Arlington one that we saw Tenet at again. Well, we have to go to the Russian cuisine. Also, first time I'd ever seen this, a movie theater that has self-serve ices? Never oh, seen you that. Lo- you lost your mind. I was stoked. I looked at Reed and I was like, I don't think they have ices. I don't see the machine. And then I get up there. I'm like, you guys have ices? And he's like, yeah, they're over there. Fill them up yourself. Buy a cup. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, were you mixing? You were mixing, yeah, right? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Now Sorry. That, I'm, not, I'm not an animal, Steve. I don't <laughs> drink uh, solid color icy. I'm not drinking just Coke. Dude, I, I can't wait. Like I, my, my expectations are so high for the Batman. Well, it's, a, it's finally wrapping filming in March. Dude, it's been filming for so long. At well, Liverpool. They, they took a big pause. It did, but. It's just crazy to think, like, I feel like we've been talking about this movie forever now. Yeah. And we still haven't seen it. Like, we were not going to, like, we haven't even gotten a second trailer. We probably won't. I mean, that trailer gave away quite a lot. I wouldn't even call that a teaser. Well, that I was don't know. A, That's, that was an immaculate trailer. Well, the trailer came out when they were only, like, what, 30% done filming. So, like, not a yeah. lot was, like, actually in it. And that's how I like it. I don't even know if I would watch another trailer. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm someone who kind of stays uh, away from the trailer community. I like it's, to yeah, keep my. I'll, I'll see I'll see a gif. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll I'll see a clip here and there. Obviously, we did a whole podcast on the Batman. So like when that trailer came out, I had to watch it. And obviously, who's not going to fucking watch it? You know what I mean? No, Matt Reeves, I trust right. to not give away too much. Well, it's you can also fall into like the trap that I did with like the Dark Knight, where I just ingested everything and anything that came out as soon as it did and then like it spoiled shit for you like i knew when commissioner gordon is quote unquote dead for like 15 minutes he's definitely not dead because the interrogation scene hadn't happened yet and i watched like the all you know all the clips of the interrogation and all that kind of thing but that i mean that was just a i i can't believe whoever was in charge of trailer content was just like yeah you can put in a late scene of jim gordon even though he's gonna be fake dead warner brothers they don't give a fuck I'm mean, here to make a dollar and a buck. Batman v Superman proved that, but I think they re- like. I hope they realize their mistake with Batman v Superman of just like, oh, we showed 
everything. We showed every part of this movie. Same thing with the Justice League. You, I, I don't watch trailers going forward after The Force Awakens. I saw the teaser and I made a promise to myself as an adult fucking man that I could ball up and not consume every piece of content that a movie puts out because I want to go to the movie and have an experience. Dude, well, I will say this. I'm glad that Justice League isn't a theater experience because I do not want to be in the theater for four hours. That's I don't think that I don't think they would put that out. I mean, maybe limited screenings, but I don't know, like Draft House, maybe. But I don't think they would do like a whole rollout for the four-hour Snyder cut. I think like Wolf of Wall Street was like my theater limit. Like I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want to see a movie longer than that in theaters. Like, I love going to the movies, but I, I love that I every minute of that. Theaters, I fell asleep right? in the Irishman in theaters. I watched it on Netflix later, but I, I will fell say asleep. the Irishman in theaters felt extraordinarily long. Like I yeah love the Irishman. I think it's a great, really well done movie, but that if you told me that was six hours, I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. The Irishman at home felt extraordinarily long. I bet. Yeah. Everything feels a little bit longer at home. It seems, but like, I don't know what it was, man. Like I I remember looking down at my phone just to check the time and I was like, Oh shit, we still have two hours. So to put in perspective, like a 90 minute movie, you'd already be out. (laughs) You still got another two, two hours left. I could tell we were in for a long one in that opening shot. I was like, yep, Ooh, Scorsese's right. going to push very, this. Very you know, I, I felt elderly leaving the movie. Big fan of the 90-minute, the 80-minute movie runtime right now because my attention span is just shot for some reason. So it's like you got to suck me in on that first scene. Well, if you want a good gangster movie that's 90 minutes long, check Made Out. Boom, another plug. Made. All right, I, full uh, circle. <laughs> I checked out uh, Kill Bill the other day for the first time and like, 15 years or something. I thought you were going to say ever. I was going to be like, wait, what? No, <laughs> no. About I, to saw grow up. I saw when I was like <laughs> in middle school, but I was, I, I didn't get it. Did you watch both of them or just part one, part no, two? No, just, just part one for right now. And I got to say, man, like that movie moves. Yeah. It's, yeah. Well, it's very briskly paced. It's like what? 95 yeah. minutes, 96 minutes, something like that. We'll talk about, a, a mo- talk about a modern Western. Kill Bill Bar Kill Bill 2, 2 pretty much is. Yeah. I think, hot take, I think Kill Bill Volume 2 is the superior half well that's a hot i'm gonna call that a hot take because i don't agree with you (laughs) yeah it's technically one film according to uh, his timeline but i gotta say i wasn't blown away by the whole bloody affair just because i spent the entire time just going like i see what you're doing like that that wasn't so much of like i'm being immersed in the story it was more so like i'm watching quentin tarantino do his take on this genre right which is what he does a lot like i mean that's essentially what death proof is that's a dude. I mean, Jackie Brown. You could even say that's uh, a hangout movie. Borderline Jackie Brown is. Well, J- Jackie Brown's like very much like a black exploitation. Well, of course, of course. But yeah. I also just factor that in. It's like you could watch that movie and just kick back and like jump in scene to scene. Yeah, good hangout movie. Dude, even I, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction have like hangout vibes. No, to them. Pulp Fiction is an ultimate hangout movie. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. I, it's kind of like you miss like three or four scenes. You might be like, wait, what the fuck's going on at True, the end? Yeah. yeah, Reservoir Dogs is hard to jump back into. That's like I, a, I that movie just, moves. Every Tarantino movie for me is essentially like almost a hangout movie just because I'm so familiar with them that it's, mm. it's just like, uh, yeah, I know these guys. That's like Boogie Nights for me. I, I That movie could be on constant loop in my house and I would be like, oh yeah, I know exactly where we're at. Shaun yeah, of the yeah. Dead. Is it hangout? Yeah. Shaun of the Dead? Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. I, I mean, I would put even Scott Pilgrim up there. Like that's a pretty good yeah musically and everything like you have a lot of like little good cues and whatnot if you know the movie well enough you know exactly where you're at 
rewatched uh, Django for the first time in forever the other day. How'd you feel? It's great. Still good. See, Still well, good. I I loved Django so much when it first came out. Uh, I ran it into the fucking ground. Like I probably watched when Django came out on like home release. I probably watched it like twenty times. It was absurd, and. I got so sick of it that I ended up not liking it anymore. I was like, man, this is like one of my lesser favorite Tarantino movies. What? So, dude, I just, I got so run down on it. So I like got away from it for a few years and just rewatched it. I'm like, oh yeah, it is awesome. I was just sick of it. Great Goggins, a little couple bits too. Really yeah, sets up the Hateful Eight Goggins. That yeah, we it's no, yeah, I was going to say, it's no Hateful Eight Goggins. That, I, I was, listen, I'm not trying to spoil the Hateful Eight, but if you haven't seen that movie yet, eat my butt. <laughs> I'm so happy that it's him and uh, Samuel L. Jackson that like end up at the end of that movie, you know? Because you get a full two and a half hours of Goggins. Reed doesn't like that film. I have no problem with that film. My wife hates that movie. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I thought yeah. I knew I knew there was yeah, some. Yeah, don't, sort of issue don't you put it. that out there? <laughs> did, we, did we all go to the road show? No. Nah. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, it was super super cool. I did twice because oh Reed's about to flip out fire alarm story. <laughs> He's like, you told that story on like seven different podcasts now. His head hit a fire alarm. It's a great story. It's a great story. That's the name of the podcast now. It's not first of all films. So I went to see uh Hateful Eight during Christmas and one time I was getting really into it, but then someone pulled the fire alarm. So I had to leave my jacket inside and I had to go outside, but I was really cold and it really pissed me off. But then I had to go back in. But since they were running on like classic film, they couldn't just jump back to where we were. So we all got a different seat so we could come back and watch it again another time. So I came back in, rewatched it, still loved it, and got to see the second half. I know you, Swinney. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> <laughs>